it's time to meet up and catch up at the Weekend Water Cooler. Now, here's your host, Gene Bolduck. Okay, welcome, welcome to the Weekend Water Cooler. I am Gene Bolduck, your host. And joining me today is my good friend, Kathy Brown from, from good old Durham, North Carolina. You know, WCHL does have listeners in Durham, so we have to be careful what we say about Durham. Um, you know, I lived in Durham for a while. And then I, I'm, you know, I lived in Chapel Hill, then I lived in Durham for, for a few years, and then I came back to Chapel Hill and have lived here ever since the mid-80s. Um, and so I feel like I really am of Chapel Hill, but, but I've done a lot. <laughs> I've done a lot of my working life working in Durham, and Kathy has just held up a sign saying she lives in Orange County. Okay, Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> this is this is how it's going to go. It's going to go right off the rails right from the start. Um, listen, I'm not going to drop any names, Aaron Keck, but I know people who work at WCHL, Aaron Keck, who live in Durham. So that's okay. That's okay. Um, I I will just tell you a matter of just a matter of history. In fact, um, I was shocked to learn uh, many years ago that Woody Durham. The voice of WCHL uh, and Tar Heel Sports in the main didn't live in Chapel Hill. I, I just, I still can't believe it. Anyway, anyway, this, all of this has nothing to do with it. Everything's local at WCHL. So, yes. Um, yes. so Kathy, Kathy and I are recording on, um, on Martin Luther King Day mm -hmm. and uh, 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 our program will, will air next weekend and, and beyond. Um, and we're, we're thinking about Dr. King a lot today. I have been, I'm sure you have been too. Um, and, and I, when I think of Dr. King, I think of the effort to, um, make social progress using nonviolence. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so it's, it's kind of easy to put together mm -hmm. a, a marriage of those ideas and the effort that you are making every day uh, to stop domestic violence, uh, between intimate partners and, uh, parents and kids and husbands and wives and, and just partners. Um, tell me how you came to this, came to this work of advocating just as an individual mm -hmm. and, and, and tell me, tell me what your, what your, uh, advocacy work has you doing these days. So, um, I'm originally from New York city. Uh, came to North Carolina in 98. And prior to getting here, um, I worked in uh, major city, major hospitals in New York City mm -hmm. and dealt with child abuse a lot. And in those cases that I dealt with as a social worker at 22 years old, oh. um, this was around the time of border babies. I don't know if people know what that is, but that's when women would have babies born positive with drugs and the city would take the children away until the mothers actually went through a treatment program yeah. and had proved that they were good mothers. And for those who did not just see me, um, I just did air quotes, good mothers. Um, so, you know, a lot of those cases were the women that I worked with experienced domestic violence. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my, my career continued to progress along the lines where I began not only working with children who were impacted by domestic violence, but also the parents 
particularly the mothers. And so when I got here to North Carolina, I worked um, at one of the local hospitals and managed their um, substance abuse program. And there were a lot of women there also yeah. who experienced domestic violence. And so as I'm going along in my career, I'm like, you know, I have to, I have to have a specialty. And I've been working in trauma since, you know, like I said, since the beginning. And so because domestic violence just kept coming up, I would also volunteer at local domestic violence agencies. And that that I ended up working for the federal government and their domestic violence program. And so here I am advocating for those who experience violence, not only those who experience, but those who use as well. Because yeah. a lot of those who use violence have had violent backgrounds as well. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a learned behavior. So they've learned how to be violent. Right. Uh, I, I, I know that, um, I know that there's, there's almost no one who's in a family that has violence permeating its behavior mm -hmm. um, who can't reach back to a previous generation mm -hmm. and, and find someone who mm -hmm. was, uh, I don't want to equate it by saying, you know, worse, you know, better, worse, different, whatever, mm -hmm. just that, just that there was controlling violent behavior in their past. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm very confident that you could go up through 10 generations and find it Absolutely. going on there. Um, yeah. It's, it's so, the cycle is so difficult to break. Uh, but I do feel like, I know that, uh, well, let me just give my, my, one of my own direct experiences, which is that when I was a child of, I don't know, 10 or 12, we had a neighbor across the street, and to me, this is uh, the more egregious level of this problem. We had a neighbor across the street, and he would um, he would come out in the front yard and just beat the hell out of his dog mm. with a chain, uh, mm. openly. Um, and I think that everyone in the neighborhood knew that his wife and his two kids, were, who were a little bit older than I was, um, we're getting treatment that probably wasn't much better. Um, now, I never saw him lay a hand on his wife, or and I, I can't, I don't remember his wife at all. I remember one of his kids. I, I remember that the kids were afraid of him, mm -hmm. and we were afraid of him. <laughs> um, he didn't have any control over me and whatever. But I tell you what, I was always on the other side of the street going by his house. Right. Um, Talk about, talk about that, that kind of thing, the kind of thing where, you know, he doesn't have to hit you. He can just hit something right next to you. You know, it's like violent adjacent. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and tell me where I'm wrong. Wouldn't a person like that uh, be happy to go into the emergency room with this kid with a broken arm and say, oh, I never lay a hand on my kids. Um, I never touch them and Absolutely. think that he's really got it figured out. You know, Gene, I also think that this is, it's sort of like a stereotype, right? So if a man is abusive, he's abusing everyone, right? And there are some men or women who use violence who aren't abusive towards their children. Um, 
So statistically, I don't know what that looks like, um, but, you know, not all men or women who abuse also abuse children. All right. So, um, but, but if but there uh, are so, times so, when, so let me ask well, you a question. when there are times though, when someone will, if there is, a, there's um, power and control mm-hmm. in the home, right? that that type of abuse can send a message right. that if you don't walk the straight line, that can absolutely happen to you right. or that was done as a punishment for what was going on in the home. So if this was a male, female, heterosexual relationship and he was defined as the, the person using violence, mm-hmm. then she, he was communic. he could have been communicating to her. Well, you didn't put the dishes away the way I told you to put the dishes away. Right. So as a result, this is what I'm gonna do to the dog. Sending a message to her that not only will I do this to the dog, but I'll also do this to you. Right, right. It's It's always... But it's always there as a as a demonstration for an audience. It could be. Right. Not even an audience. I'm surprised. Usually those type of things would happen. I was gonna say in the home and people don't know about it because the person using violence does not want to be exposed. Um, but if you're in a neighborhood where you know that people aren't gonna say anything and they're just gonna keep walking or close their blinds or not call animal control, then yeah, I'm gonna beat this dog on the lawn because nobody's gonna say anything. Right. Which is why I'm glad you're having a show today because, yeah, because it does break the silence of this. Yeah, yeah. This, this, this is what we were talking about before we, before we began recording today is that the silence about this topic is, is one of the things that gives it its power and its longevity across <laughs> generations. Even within family structures, Absolutely. if you have, you know, grandparents, great grandparents, and and that this behavior came down through your family, it wouldn't necessarily be something that would be conveyed to you. It's not like grandma's chocolate chip cookie recipe that they want to make sure is passed on. People don't really necessarily want to pass this on, even though they convey their trauma their own trauma through the generations, um, almost certainly not intentionally. Um, but it's I, I continue to feel just from watching this in my own life experience that you're almost never going to find someone who is aggressive or abusive toward someone in their family, that that person, the perpetrator, uh, hasn't been a victim of this themselves. It's, it's, it's extremely vexing in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, very frustrating to deal with, but it's mm-hmm. it's it is the kind of thing that when people are talking about it around you and making it okay for you to talk about what you've been through, mm-hmm. I know that helps. Absolutely, I, I know that it brings the temperature down, which is probably the one thing I feel sure of. If you can do, mm-hmm. uh, is, is a great first step to making things a little bit better. And speaking of steps, I'm going to take this step. We're going to have to take a quick break. Uh, We're talking with Kathy Brown, who is a social worker in Durham, North Carolina. And we're talking about intimate partner violence and what to do about it, how to prevent it, how to support family members who are experiencing this. If your family or friends are going through this, what can you do to help? 
and we have lots more to convey. We're going to be back in just a minute. You're listening to The Weekend Water Cooler on 97.9 The Hill. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Okay, okay, we're back with Kathy Brown. You would not believe what goes on during the break. Um, we're back with Kathy Brown. You know, we're recording on Zoom and various technological gremlins um, reveal themselves. Everybody in the modern day, thanks to uh, our good friends at COVID, <laughs> um, everybody knows about the crazy gremlins that find their way into your life during a Zoom call. And mm -hmm. we record on Zoom. Thank goodness. Uh, thank you, Zoom. Uh, so anyway, here we are. Welcome back, Kathy. And uh, let's just uh, take a take a half a step back and, and let me ask you to uh, give sort of a, 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 a your your elevator speech about what domestic, uh, domestic violence or uh, intimate partner violence really is by definition. Okay. So the intimate partner violence is a form of domestic violence. Um, domestic violence is anything that happens within the home, within the domicile. So it's child abuse, elder abuse, disabled adult abuse. Um, intimate partner violence is violence between two intimate partners. Okay. Um, it's a behavior that includes physical and sexual violence, stalking, psychological aggression, and coercive control. Um, it can happen on a spectrum, so it can happen once every year, once every two years, or every day, various times during the day. So it happens on a, a, a spectrum, and it could be um, heterosexual, same-sex relationships, right. doesn't require sexual intimacy, nor does it require cohabitation. Right. I like to give that sort of CDC definition because a lot of people think the stereotypical person is usually a woman with bruises, black eyes, scratches all right. over her face. Right. Um, there are people who experience domestic intimate partner violence that you'll never see their bruises. Their right. bruises are either under their clothing so no one can detect them or they're emotional, they're internal, and sometimes both. So if you work with someone, for example, and you're concerned about uh, their, their demeanor, that they seem troubled, they seem like uh, something's going on with them um, on a personal level that you, you know, you can't quite put your finger on it, but uh, they're, they seem moody, they seem... Um, intimidated by everything or or their their mood their demeanor has changed since they started dating that person or what mm -hmm. what can you do as a as a friend or a co-worker someone who's not in the household mm -hmm. but that you have a sense that something's going on that's that's negative in this regard so you would i mean if you care about this person you would ask them is everything okay? Right. You, you know, I've noticed that your affect has changed or I've noticed that you've become more withdrawn. Um, and that person may deny it. Oh, I'm fine. You know, right. I wouldn't push it. Um, you could easily just say, you know, hey, I, I, it seems like something's going on. If you ever want to talk about it, I'm here. Right. You know? Right. Um, what happens in the dynamic of the relationship 
is that the person begins to be isolated um, and there is a fear of disclosing what's going on in the home mm -hmm. because of either the children or because of financial constraints or because um, of shame, guilt. So it, it remains silent and you don't want to say anything. And you also don't want people... You know, I, I, I'm going to, I'm jumping around, I'm sorry, but you also don't want people to impose their judgment on you. So let's say, Gene, you and I are at the water cooler and we're talking and someone comes over and um, they're experiencing, you know, violence in their relationship. And we're talking about some, let's say, football player who was just right. on the news for, for beating up his or her well, his wife usually is a, a male. And, you know, you say to me, oh man, if it was me, I would, I would be with that person. You know, you gotta be crazy to be with that person. Right. right. What you just communicated to our coworker who just came up to the water cooler is that this is not a safe environment for me to talk about it. Right. If I did right. want to reach out for help, I can't go to Kathy or Jean because they're going to judge me and think that I'm crazy for yeah. staying in a relationship. They'll say, why don't you just stand up for yourself and solve that? Right. Exactly. So yeah. that person's not going to feel safe enough to do that. Right. So I if think the response he, starts with, why don't you? It's probably the wrong response. Correct. <laughs> correct. Not, correct. And, and the worst thing that you can ask is, why are they staying in a relationship? Right. You know? Right. Um, because there's so many reasons why. I mean, I don't know how many listeners you have, but I would love. Either, by the way, see, <laughs> I would love to see how many hands would be raised if we said, "How many of you have stood, stayed in a relationship longer than you should have, or longer than you knew you should have?" Right. right? Mm -hmm. We stay in relationships for various reasons. So does someone who's experiencing violence. They stay in relationships for various reasons. And that's not something we should judge because they're trying to survive this relationship. That's right. That's right. And, and you know, it's, uh, I, so I just, I, I just have some notes and here's what I, here's just a few that I'm going to, I'm going to tick off here. This is from the, uh, the hotline, the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Here are just a few of the reasons that people stay. Fear, normalized abuse, which is, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't drop on you like a ton of bricks. And then here you are. And it's, it's all encompassing in your life. It happens a little bit at a time. And over time, it can come to feel normal to you well, as, it could be on, on the receiving end. It could also be normal because my mother experienced it. Ex well, exactly. Right. My mother experienced it. So this is what I thought healthy relationships included entailed. So right. That could be normal. Also. That you go to your mother or your grandmother for advice about what can I do about this? So you, tr you try to reach out a little bit, and what they say to you is, you what know, did you do to cause yeah, this? I know he loves you. What did yep. you do to provoke him? Yep. Um, I mean, this is uh, th these uh, responses are almost a cliche, but we have to break we have to break those ideas and realize that there's just a better way to approach. That's that's healthier for everybody. Uh, I think that shame is a huge piece mm -hmm. in why people stay when they perhaps shouldn't. Um, intimidation, low self-esteem, lack of resources, mm -hmm. disability. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that um, that would necessarily be at play, but of course it is. 
um, em immigration status too. Not only disabilities that people can see, but mental health challenges, you know, depression, anxiety, PTSD, borderline personality disorder. Right. right. You know, how many, how many women have been brought to court because they have a diagnosis of depression by the person who was violent, violent right. to, to use their mental illness against them to take their kid away from them? Yeah, I was going to say. As, as a way of control. These are, these are things that are often manipulated by the abuser yep. um, and, and leveraged mm -hmm. um, against uh, the victim of abuse, and that—that's why it's—it's it's so important to take steps further upstream and to try to um, and to try to get young people to understand that it's—you you don't want to wake up in your 30s and realize that you're in this relationship and you've been in it for a while, um, and that if you had realized these things when you were 14. You, you maybe wouldn't have gotten into a dating relationship because you would have found red flags and just said, yeah, it's not for me. Um, and, well, and how not, many of us have actually gone to school to learn how to be in a, in a relationship? That's not a course that we take. Well, we, we, learn, we think about that, media, right? We learn through our parents. We learn through, right. you know, trial and error. Yeah. You know, so people are going to make mistakes. And you know what? If someone is 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, 90 years old, and they come to realize that the relationship they was in or is in is abusive and toxic, right? and, and, and they want to end that relationship, you know, be there for them, help that's, them, that's support right. them emotionally. That's right. you know, yeah, it would be great for us. And a lot of like, um, I want to say Orange County, um, the Compass Center actually does go into the schools and they actually have um, advocates who go into the school and talk about healthy relationships. Ooh, I like um, that. And I believe, I, want, I believe most of the local DV agencies, DCRC, Durham Crisis Response Center and Interact, they, they do the same. Just to, I mean, because... I, Sex, you know, we talked about sex in the school, but we never talked about what is it like to be in a good relationship, right. positive relationship. That's right. And by that. the way, I mean that's friendships too. That's not just yes. that's yeah. not just a dating and romantic Absolutely. situation. So, so this is this is a, I I like where this is going, Kathy. And and right now where it's going is to a ne our next break to hear from oh, our sponsors. Man. Okay. I, I warned you about this that the time goes by fast. We're, we're talking with Kathy Brown. We're going to be right back. You're listening to the Weekend Watercolor on 97.9 The Hill. Okay, we're we're uh, back with Kathy Brown. We're talking about um, the the overarching view of uh, domestic violence and domestic violence prevention and intimate partner violence. I do want to mention, uh, Kathy, before we continue, the National Domestic Violence Hotline. That number is 800-799-SAFE, which is 800-799-7233. There's also thehotline.org, which is a wonderful, wonderful website with a lot of great information on it. And is um, I, I've done more than a little bit of website development in my life. I think it's an impressively designed website, mm -hmm. and some of the features that it has 
that allow a user to quickly exit the website, mm -hmm. for example, mm -hmm. uh, without leaving a trace that you've been there. So um, unfortunately, those things are necessary. Um, for folks who are looking for, for help, that's thehotline.org and 800-799-7233. Um, I'd like to throw in an app. There's an app called, oh, My, yes, there's an app called My Plan. Oh. And it's the shape of a leaf, it's turquoise and white. Oh. And that's something that someone can download okay. to their phone. It helps them safety plan. It gives them access to resources. It helps them identify whether or not they're in a toxic relationship or not. Mm -hmm. um, it gives them the, the hotline number, but it can't be traced. So they can, you know, um, it looks like a little leaf. Yeah. On your phone, so no one would know about it, but you, but it, there's a, it's a security. So you can't just, if, if the partner can't, if the partner picked up the phone right. and happened to click that, yeah. they don't put in a code. Yeah. The person is not going to be able to, it'll actually show something different. Right. Mm -hmm. Interesting. See, that's what I mean about the design. Those, yeah. those little, those features are, are, are really smart. And, and by the way, you know, some of those types of features and those development uh, features in products are thanks to women being involved in developing yeah. those products. Yes. Um, so, so I'm, I'm, gl I'm glad to hear that. I was glad to hear what you said about schools getting involved in it. It just seems to me that um, it's a, it's a really smart idea for even preteens and teenagers to take a class. Uh, of course, in Jean's opinion, it should be mandatory that <clears throat> you take a class to talk about uh, being in safe and healthy relationships. And, and I'll say this again, this is also about friendships and, but friendships and romantic dating relationships as you're a teenager and you're finding your way. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you may find that what you hear, if you would take such a class, is that a good, healthy, supportive relationship is one that doesn't look like your parents. It and may not look like it. May not. It may mm -hmm. not. It may have elements of, mm -hmm. you know, the positive elements of your parents' relationships uh, with, with friends and family. And, you know, how often do you have friends over at the house? And how much social connection do you have? You can, there, it seems to me that that would be a good class for, teenagers to take to to have a space where they can talk about this without necessarily risking criticism or exposure if they have areas of their upbringing that they're concerned about um, but I I wish that we could um, get more into developing the good stuff instead of mitigating the bad stuff to to oversimplify it in a disgusting way. <laughs> Well, you know, we're, we're assuming that people who, that these youngsters, <laughs> I say, or these teens um, are living in a two-parent household. Um, we're also making an assumption that um, the two-parent household, household is heterosexual. So there are 
people who are raised by single parents, um, unfortunately aren't exposed to a healthy relationship in terms of intimacy, mm-hmm. um, dep- you know, depending on the person's circumstances. So, you know, having those, those conversations in schools, it allows people to see what's healthy and what's not. Right. You know, right. so I've worked with, I work with a lot of people. I engage them in therapy and, um, you know, if they are raised by a single mom, mom is out working, doing what she needs to do, right. may never have a companion come to the house. And so therefore you don't see that. And a lot of the teenagers or a lot of the preteens, even younger than that, they're, they're relying on social media mm-hmm. to define what a healthy relationship is. Right. And depending on, you know, the, let's say the flavor of the month, but depending on like what you're exposed to, what your likes are, will depend on what you're exposed to. Right. um, That will communicate certain messages about healthy relationships or, or not. And, and it's, you know, uh, that's, this is why I include friendships as well, because uh, even in a healthy friendship, if you get together with your friends and the four of you are in a restaurant uh, getting a burger and all four of you are looking at your phones, something broke there. That's not, that's not what you should be doing. Um, uh, this is not to say that that's never happened at my table. Don't get me wrong about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes, um, uh, th- you know, there is a space where it's okay and fun to say, Oh, I saw this video. I wanted to show this to you. It's so funny. Look, mm-hmm. here's here are these puppies. Look at the funny thing that they're doing. I mm-hmm. get that. I, you know, I, I live in the world. I mean, I, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there also should be space for um, building human connection mm-hmm. and placing value on having that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's what will sustain you across your life. And it takes actual skill to do that. And I'm not confident that we're doing enough as a society to um, help build that infrastructure for, uh, for all of us. I mean, because teenagers need that, yes. Older people need that too. Um, you have people whose spouses have died and they're, they're home alone night after night, eating meals alone, mm-hmm. um, which can focus loneliness um, in, a, in a manner that's uh, damaging, which can lead you into um, online relationships that mm-hmm. are not real, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, can get you uh, into a lot of trouble, cause you to be defrauded out of your retirement savings. There's yeah, all kinds of bad things out there. Well, human trafficking, you know, my right. mom is in her 90s and, you know, she's still vibrant, you know, and she looking for relationships and she's right. doing online dating. I was like, mom, no, you know, I was like, no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and I mean, there's not, I mean, I know some, some of my friends have actually met their partners online and the relationship yep. is absolutely wonderful yep. you know um 
but I also know my mom and she can be, you know, very nice and naive. And even though she was raised in New York City, she seems to have gotten far away from her. <laughs> Um, I'm just imagining what some of these conversations are between you and your mom. (laughs) And I'm just like, Ma, no, you know, oh, he wants me to come to California. No, you're not going to California. No, that's not happening. Um, So, yeah. Or Kathy will come with you. Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Mom, you don't want that. (laughs) You don't want that. Well, you know, yeah. Yeah. So with human trafficking, I mean, January is human trafficking month and, and yeah. it's, it's real. It's very real. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it doesn't, it doesn't have this age group. That's, that's the thing is that mm-hmm. no the running these operations may not even be in North America. Correct. Um, so, uh, yes, I, I mean, there's some, there's some, there's some bad stuff out there. Uh, it, and that's why I'm saying this, this, the human connection, um, is, is a good safety valve for, um, uh, for people to say, Hey, I, I met this guy. I think this might be a thing. Take mm-hmm. a look at this and tell me what you think. Have people in your life who you can trust mm-hmm. and feel safe with who you can talk mm-hmm. about, about things that are, are difficult for you. And, and it's really, really helpful to help keep you safe. And uh, uh, we're going to talk some more with Kathy Brown in just a minute. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Weekend Water Cooler and 97.9 The Hill. Kathy can't believe it. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back with Kathy Brown. I'm just teasing her about posing as Michelle Obama because mm-hmm. I, I, I said this would be the 10,000th time I've invited Michelle Obama to come on the weekend water cooler. And I could have had Kathy Brown pretend to be Michelle Obama, but she has too much integrity to engage in such nonsense. All right. Um, Obama would, would love and appreciate the work that you do just as I do. And so uh, before we go any further, I just want to tell you, thank you for the, for the work that you're doing with the local domestic violence uh, task force, which is, is it Durham, uh, Orange, and Wake County, or just Durham and Orange? It is Durham, Orange, and Wake County, yeah. and um, and and you're involved in in all the uh, organizations that coordinate through Correct. task force. And uh, uh, it's absolutely fantastic what you do, and I appreciate it, uh, especially because I know that when you've been working in this a long time, you have to be good at taking care of yourself because this can kind of build up as a load on you emotionally. Absolutely. So I'm glad that you're, I'm glad that you're successful in doing that. Yes. And I, I hope that talking to Jean on the weekend water cooler is one of the therapeutic pieces that you have in your life. Well, laughter is definitely therapeutic. So I do appreciate this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it does help. So tell me, you've got, you've got a, uh, before we uh, wrap up, you've got a, a, a list of some things that you wanted to make sure that, people know about, and I'm just going to turn it over and let you go. Okay. So, you know, we've been talking about um, what domestic violence is, intimate partner violence, and we've been talking about how to help those who are experiencing violence. Um, But sometimes we don't know what it looks like. And so I want to read a list of characteristics that you may encounter of a violent partner. And so it's a partner, and, you know, these are not all inclusive, Um, And they're not also linear, so they can happen at different periods of time. Um, But having a partner who's disrespectful, who violates your rights and safety, 
um, does things that are illegal, even if they weren't arrested, um, act deceitful, lying, conning others, irritable, aggressive, indicated by physical fights or threats, manipulative, constantly irresponsible, frequently broken, frequent broken promises, displays lack of remorse, gets angry when drinking alcohol or using drugs, and can be very charming. Usually uh, people who are manipulative and controlling show up in your life as the knight in shining armor um, or the person that you have been dreaming about for years. And then you get caught up in the relationship and then eventually um, you start to see their true colors. Um, there are certain red flags that are apparent. If we pay attention to those red flags and not look at the relationship through rose-colored glasses, we'll be able to see these red flags before we get caught up in the relationship. So things like, you know, a partner who's humiliating or embarrassing you in front of others, hypercritical, making everything your fault, ignoring or excluding you, cheating, flirting with others, blames you for their violent outbursts or actions, excessively jealous, constantly accuses you of being unfaithful, extremely moody, says things, I love you, but, um, or things like, well, if you didn't blank, I will. So for example, if you didn't talk to that person, um, or if you don't talk to that person, I will beat you up, or I will withhold some pleasure or money or something like that. Um, dominating and controlling, withdrawing affection, destroying your property, things you care about. So if you're in a relationship and you think that it's anger, think about what items are being destroyed. Are they destroying your items or are they destroying everything in the house? Nine times out of 10, it's just your items. Mm. Isolating you from friends and family, controls all the money, refuses to communicate, so sometimes people think that, oh, I, I have, we haven't talked in three days. Someone not talking to you is considered abusive. Threatening to commit suicide if you leave or using sarcasm, unpleasant tone of voice. So those are just some red flags to pay attention to. And please, if any of these kind of ring a bell, you realize because of this podcast that, um, or this program that you are in a violent relationship, call the 1-800 number. It is 24-7. Again, that number is 1-800-799-7233. Again, 799-7233. There is help out there. One in three women and one in four men will experience domestic violence in their, their lifeline, lifetime. You are not alone. Please reach out. There is someone out there to help you. Very well said. Thank you, Kathy. And that's that's, uh, uh, I think that the, the, the important thing to understand is that when you're trying to leave a relationship like that, if that's the step the that's necessary, it's, yeah. it's the most dangerous time in the relationship. So planning, you know, thoughtful safety. planning and, yeah. and a safety plan is the most important thing to have. And, 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 and I mean, you know, you can do it. You can do it. Woman for a year before she had all of her ducks in a row. Right. Before she left the relationship. 
Right. So it's not, it's not, sometimes you have to exit for safety. You know, someone's about to kill you. You have to get out. Right. There are other times where you are, you do have the time to actually plan. Right. Right. All right. Well, you know, we're approaching, of course, um, I have to be perfectly honest, one of my least favorite holidays, which is Valentine's Day, or as my husband and I call it, amateur night. Um, It's unfortunately a a common uh, date for people to experience violence um, in their relationships. Um, I'm 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 not able to provide the analysis about what drives that to happen, but it's a it's a uh, it's a date that reminds me about that. And um, I, so I hope that as we uh, as we as we leave our listeners, that uh, I will thank Kathy for joining me. Really, Jean, I appreciate being here. I will tell everybody, as I do every week, that if you're going out. Please be safe. And if you're staying in, keep it right here on 97.9 The Hill. Follow Gene on Twitter at Gene Bolduck and tweet your comments and questions with the hashtag WCHL.